cooking is my life. You know, whenever I work with young chefs, I really try and uh, get them to understand that, you know, it's hard um, on your body, on your mind. But I always tell them just, you know, just why just hang on in there because the reward will come, the passion will grow. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. As we've discussed previously on Deep in the Weeds, one of the attractions for a career in hospitality is the ability to travel the world and ply your craft in different restaurants, cuisines and cultures. It not only enriches one's professional skills, but opens their minds to amazing experiences too. How important is travel for those carving out careers in hospitality? Stefano Morano is the head chef of soon-to-be-opened Le Foot in the Rocks, Sydney. Stefano, how are you? Good hack. How are you? I'm good. You've uh, done what we've all been dreaming about for the last couple of years and gone travelling around uh, the world. What's it been like at this time to to go travel? Uh, it's definitely been unexpected and uh, challenging, and um, you know, it's kind of the craziest time to be traveling and moving around the world. Um, I was quite surprised at times that uh, I was able to pull off some um, of the trips and the adventures. Um, but it was an amazing feeling. I, um, you know, had decided to leave the Apollo and uh, take a break and understand and figure out what I was going to do next. Um, the decision of traveling overseas came really sudden. It was really last minute. Um, I decided, um, you know, I applied for what at the time was a travel exemption, put all my stuff together, bought a ticket and left within a week. It was like the quickest I've ever left the country. And, um, it just seemed a little bit surreal. And um, even I was going, as I was going through the travel, seeing my family, catching up with people and um, eventually lining up, you know, a great experience in uh, Copenhagen, Denmark, it just seemed a little bit too good to be true. Um, but for some reason, everything just kind of fell into place perfectly and just um, it felt really good to be able to just, you know, kind of, leave and um, kind of like everything will follow kind of feeling. Um, it was, yeah, amazing. I'm so glad it happened and went that way. Take us, take us on the journey that you went on. What countries did you go to and what did you experience? So I, um, the plan was for me to originally go um, home to Italy for an extended holiday see my family, um, you know, everyone has had a pretty tough couple of years and um, I hadn't seen them in nearly three. Um, so for me, it was mostly about going home, spending time with the family, travel around, see the people I love, um, eat the food that I love and um, just kind of do that, come back to Australia, re-energized, uh, take on a new challenge. Um and then um, throughout my travels in Italy, I, um, you know, I was looking at Australia and I was following what was happening here quite closely and kind of saw that there wasn't uh, too much moving in terms of um, hospitality. There was still lockdowns in place and uh, restrictions. 
And so I kind of told myself that there wasn't much point in coming back right away or rushing anyway, because um, I'm going to say I, I was having a pretty good time in Europe and it was the middle of summertime and uh, that's hard to beat. Um, but also just looking at what I was going to do next, like um, I decided to really put a bit of thought into um, spending a bit of time in Copenhagen. Um, it's somewhere that I've been wanting to go to for a long time. And I kind of told myself it's either now or never again. So I just got in touch with some people um, and everyone was like, in terms of like, you know, looking for a job and um, talking to people about uh, possibilities of, you know, doing work experience or properly working in specific places. Everyone was like, was super friendly and accommodating and uh, understanding and um, happy to take me on board for a short period of time. And so again, this was another decision that uh, I kind of took within a couple of days, convinced my girlfriend, um, to move up there for a few months and uh, we just packed everything from Italy and moved from really nice warm weather to some of the coldest countries on the planet. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, it's been amazing. I had the fortune, fortune and uh, the honor of working with people like Rosio Sanchez and um, um, also with the guys at Hat Bakery. Um, you know, everyone was super nice, I've got to say, and helpful. And um, it really helped the process, you know, when you um, do something that could be logistically uh, difficult and challenging at times, but um, you find on the other side people that are willing to help and make that journey a little bit smoother and easier. It just, um, it really made a difference, I have to say. Um, it was a beautiful experience. Um, it's exactly what I needed to kind of reset, do something different, um, and, you know, kind of look at what I'm going to do next. So that's been amazing, yes. Given the experiences that uh, you had overseas in that period of time, what was it like coming back into Australia and, and um, you know, how the pandemic is sort of um, affecting the hospitality industry here? I was pumped to come back. And, um, you know, I miss Australia. I always miss it when I'm overseas. This time, obviously, there was a whole, a whole level of distractions that um, an interest uh, in Europe for me that, uh, you know, made me not necessarily want to rush back to Australia. But, you know, towards the end, I did miss uh, I, I did miss um, the the country itself. I miss my life here. Yeah, I really wanted to come back and also kind of uh, get some of those ideas um, and things that I saw throughout the travels and, um, you know, kind of elaborate them um, and work on those things, whether it was going to be, you know, just for my own gain or towards uh, the next project. And um, so I was definitely um, – I was very happy to come back. I think, um, you know, being away for seven, eight months was a good break. It had a purpose. Um, and the main thing, I think it had a start and an end, um, which um, was really good, you know, um, to know that that journey had a specific time frame, And then after that, I was going to come back to my life. Um, 
I think it was really important, but uh, very happy to be back. Um, I think I've obviously, since I've left, it hasn't been that long, but it feels like the hospitality industry has had a little shift. Um, you know, there's a huge issue with the staffing at the moment. I um, talk to people regularly while I was overseas, uh, colleagues, ex-colleagues, people there, um, restauranters, EO chefs, or in the hospitality industry anyway. And um, the whole time I was away, yeah, um, I feel like it was uh, one of the con constant conversations um, it was um, how bad the staff levels were at the moment and um, how tough it is and it was to find staff. Um, I think it's um, it's probably and hopefully getting a little bit better. I think we're maybe turned a little corner and um, that part of hospitality, that aspect is going to improve in the coming months. I, uh, to be honest, really hope so because we're going to need a lot of stuff for the new place. So I'm kind of crossing all my fingers for this. Um, but look, I mean, it's uh, it's been a crazy couple of years and we've just got to take it as what it is. Unfortunately, we um, need to understand that it's difficult and uh, somehow work around the problem. There's not a whole lot that we can do other than that, I think. I want to talk about um, what you're going to do at the Swillhouse, uh, with the Swillhouse Group a little bit later, but take us back to when you were young. Um, where are you from in Italy? And tell us about the food in your family when you were young. I'm originally from Naples, uh, which is south of Italy. Um, it's about 200 kilometers south of Rome. Um, I guess a lot of people know the surroundings, uh, such as the Amalfi Coast or Capri, um, more than Naples itself. Um, Naples is a beautiful um, city with a lot of history, and with a lot of history also comes a lot of good, diverse food. Um, you know, I guess there's been uh, over the years influence from um, different cultures, which uh, brought to Naples a huge range of um, of different food and cuisine. Um, I guess I grew up in a, a fairly traditional um, family. Um, you know, um, my grandma was and still is an amazing cook, uh, one of the best ones I know. She would be the person that would uh, get up at um, 6 in the morning and start rolling the fresh pasta and you know, make all the sauces for the Sunday lunch and I think it's definitely one of the, the the things that have pushed me to love food and engage with food um, in, in the early years. You know, I think uh, not a lot of people are lucky enough to experience that, waking up to the beautiful smell of sun and cooking away on the stove at like 6, 7 in the morning and, you know, the noises of the little tools that grandma is, is using in the background trying not to wake anyone up and um and you know that would be my breakfast like waking up and going past the kitchen just like dipping warm bread in a beautiful sauce um it was what i what would be my first breakfast before i head back to bed and then wake up hours later to the proper lunch um and yeah i think um you know obviously the the, the surroundings and um 
what you uh, grow with shape you immensely. And uh, even Naples as a, a city and, you know, the, the food scene is amazing because the food, good food um, is so accessible. The produce uh, there is amazing. I think, you know, one of the things that I miss the most, it's um, some of the amazing cheese, some some of the amazing vegetables, the beautiful tomatoes there. Don't need anything on them other than, you know, a bit of olive oil. Um, those are the things that I really crave. Those are the things that I really miss and really make my mouth water every time I think about it. Um, I guess the food culture is different everywhere you go. And um, Australia has a very uh, different variety of um, cuisines, you know, the the huge um, Asian influence that we have in Australia. It's it's amazing. It's something that um, you don't find in Europe. And I guess, you know, by the same token, when I go back to Italy, especially, or Europe in general, especially for an extended period of time, one of the things that I do miss, you know, it's a beautiful bowl of noodles, it's a beautiful dumpling, it's those kind of things. It's like the opposite side of the spectrum kind of thing. You started your career um, early on at about 15. When Those first couple of years, do you have any stories or, or experiences that – sort of helped sort of carve a path for you in the early days? Uh, yes. I think there's been a bunch of experiences there. Some of them have definitely pushed me towards chefing and hospitality and the food. And some of them, uh, you know, could have been uh, at times a little bit frightening and and could have pushed me in the opposite direction. Um I um, started cooking school for five years, started at the age of 13. Um, I think it's a really tough decision to make um, when you're that age to pick a job, a school that could possibly shape the rest of your life. Like I think at the age of 13, you don't really know which way is up. You don't know exactly what you want to be doing, you know, Um but uh, cooking turned out to be the right decision. And, you know, the first years are always tough. Um, Europe is not the easiest uh, part of the world to start chefing in. Some of the kitchens are quite tough. A lot of the mentality can be quite old school. And, um, you know, in saying that, it's, it's also part of the journey. It's also going to build your personality, your set of skills. My first few jobs were um, quite casual. Um, you know, I was still at school, so I would only work over the weekend. So I'll do my Monday to Friday school. Saturday, Sunday, I would work in a little restaurant or a pizzeria um, or a little pub kind of thing just to get a bit of confidence with, um, you know, um, just food, um, possibly just improve my skills, use a knife properly. Um, and But I don't think I had my real proper uh, confrontation with food and, you know, uh, restaurants of a certain level till I moved to England a few years later. I uh, decided at the age of 18, finished school, that I just needed something else that um, it wasn't Italy. I just needed somewhere where 
food in um, cooking was seen as a proper um, career rather than, you know, just doing it because you don't have anything else to do or you couldn't find any other job, which was, I think, the mentality quite a bit in Italy at the time. Um, and I've all, also always wanted to travel. I've always wanted to travel the world and move around as much as possible and taking as much as possible. Um, I think the first restaurant I worked um, at in England was a, a little Italian fine dining, a beautiful um, small restaurant on a river um, where the food was really good. It was um, in between traditional and modern and it was the first time where I came across a bunch of different personalities in the kitchen, some crazy, uh, passionate people, some other just crazy people. There was a really good blend of, you know, just different varieties. There was, um, it was really interesting. And everyone was there for the food. Everyone was doing it because that's what they loved. That was their passion. Um, and I have to say it's been um, – uh, when I think about it, it's probably been one of the uh, the most constructive uh, experiences in my early cooking days. We had, you know, amazing times. We also had a lot of problems. Um, the chef at the time was this um, uh, Italian um, Italian chef that came back from a, you know, he had a, a really fine dining background. Um, he also was um, um, originally a Vietnamese and um, he brought a really interesting uh, mix of um, ideas into the restaurant. Um, problem was he was also, you know, a bit of a hothead and um, he um, ended up having, you know, to leave eventually. And had, other than him leaving the kitchen, there was as a bunch of young kids that were just happy, you know, to come in, cook a section and learn as much as possible. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden, a year in the making, he um, had to kind of leave and walked out from one day to the other. And we were left to run this restaurant that was a busy, high volume restaurant, considering that the kitchen team was quite small and everyone just had to kind of pull together and um, trying to hold this business together and make sure the kitchen didn't fall apart and do everything that you've never done before because, you know, going from living cooking school and cooking a section for a year in a busy restaurant to having to part run it with other chefs that are at your level was definitely something. So it was a great experience. There was definitely times where we didn't know at all what we were doing. But the food we knew how to cook, you know, the, the, the sections we knew how to run. So it was definitely tough and challenging. And there was definitely people that, you know, uh, had a little bit more experience. They could take charges a little bit more. But it was great. It was good to be thrown into something um, uh, like that. And just, you know, you swim or you sink, basically. And I think we did pretty well. How did you end up uh, making the move to Australia? I um, One of my last jobs um, in England was um, a fine dining French restaurant. Um, and the head chef at the time, um, this guy called Russell, um, he had uh, lived and worked in Australia for years. He was um, actually... Uh, 
bank back in the days when, um, you know, in Sydney was a institution a few years back. And um, he um, used to tell me stories about Australia and um, how much he loved it, how much he um, wanted to go back, but he couldn't because um, overstayed on his original visas, kind of got kicked out of the country, and it was like his biggest regret today. Um but one day I decided that, uh, you know, three years in England had been enough for me for the time being. I'd, um, you know, met some amazing people, cooked in some really cool places, learned the language, and I was ready for something else. So um, on the back of his stories, I decided to look into it and um, made the move in 2008. So yeah, it's, it's, it's been amazing and um it's strange again my idea was to move to australia for, i came originally on a working holiday visa um the idea was to be here for 12 months and possibly go back to england um but then things kind of changed quite quickly i was offered you know a good job and sponsorship uh the first restaurant i worked at and um i decided to stay and next thing you know, you know, the 12 months turned into 13, 14 years. And, you know, now this is the place that I call home. It's pretty crazy. It's a, it's a long period of time to spend in a country and you've become a real part of the fabric of, of dining in Sydney. What's been some of the key restaurants and, and people that you've worked with in your time in Sydney? So I, uh, my first job was um, at a little restaurant that doesn't exist anymore now on uh, Crocker Bay Wharf, also called Darling Arbor. Um, the restaurant was Coast Restaurant, um, and the head chef was uh, Jonathan Bathomas at the time um, when I walked into that kitchen. We were the only um, fine dining restaurant in the area. The food was really good. It wasn't pretentious. It was, um, you know, quite simple but refined. And um, Jonathan just had a really good approach to um, uh, Mediterranean food and, and Italian food, uh, you know, being uh, having a Greek background himself, I think definitely helped. And I also think it's just the kind of food he loves mainly. Um you know, I thought it would have been, uh, to be honest, a difficult transition coming from the other side of the world and um, coming in contact with such a different culture where, you know, things are, are so different coming from like the old continent. Australia is, um, uh, behaves very differently. So I thought there would have been a bit of a almost cultural clash in that sense for me. But it wasn't the case at all. I uh, walked in that kitchen. I got pretty comfortable pretty quickly. Um, and it was a great starting point for me. Um, and I think the fact that I stuck with Jonathan for a decade or so after that, it really proved the fact that um, I think from day one, we had a, a great thing going. We had a great energy. And through him, I was able to then go and open venues such as Manly Pavilion and uh, the Apollo restaurant later in the years. So he is um, definitely being, you know, he's being a mentor and everything that we've done together has been 
an amazing experience, um, an amazing learning curve. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm really thankful to, um, to him and to the fact that I, that was one of the restaurants that I worked in um, as my first experience in this country. You become a real fabric of the Apollo um, and became head chef, rising the ranks. What was it like um, cooking that sort of modern interpretation of Greek cuisine? I think it was, um, it came quite natural to me, I think. I um, had been working in close contact with Jonathan for long enough to know what he was thinking, when we talk about a dish, when we talk about a produce, we know, you know, we've done a things that were a little, little bit more on the fine dining side in the previous two restaurants. Um, Apollo was an ease um, on the high end of casual dining. So I guess it was hard to um, kind of translate that and put onto the customers as, you know, it is casual dining, but it's done in a certain way. Um, I think there was the challenge was also opening Apollo in a part of the city, which is, you know, Potts Point. But really, 10 years ago, when Apollo opened, was just an extension of Creek King's Cross. Um, and not a lot of people were thinking about opening restaurants there. Um, I feel like it was a bit of a gamble. Uh, we were lucky to build a name for ourselves pretty quickly and um, and everything just kind of happened naturally. Uh, the, the food part was um, obviously a combination of me and Jonathan working quite closely and uh, evolving a little bit um, around the clientele and uh, the circumstances. But we had, we've always had a similar outlook on food and uh, philosophy. You know, we both care about really good produce. We both believe in um, not have to overdo and overchange things too much. If you, um, when it comes to cooking, you know, really hold those natural flavors, um, really maintain what the produce should taste like. And um, so, you know, we just decided to, to, definitely um, move a little bit away from what was considered traditional because the Apollo doesn't uh, necessarily run on, runs on the back of those traditional recipes, but the flavors are the ones of traditional Greece. Uh, the dishes themselves might not sound or might not seem like they are, but all the flavors are there. Um, I think that was kind of like our baseline. It was the, the really good produce, really good flavors, um, and just go from there. Do you have any dishes um, that stand out from your time there that sort of epitomize that approach? Yeah, I mean, I guess like the Apollo, it's so well-known for, you know, the taramasalata, the saganaki cheese, the braised lamb shoulder. Um, you know, if you take those three dishes um, and kind of examine them a little bit, they're, they're really simple, straightforward dishes, but they're all about balance. Um, the taramasalata uh, that we make at the Apollo is one of the best ones I've ever eaten 
um, because the products are really good and because we found a balance with you know, the acidity, the onions, the collar. And then obviously there was the challenge on how we're going to serve it because, you know, there's times where something like that doesn't look super appealing. So putting into little glass yogurt jars and putting a lid over them just kind of turned the thing to be a little bit more interesting for customers. Um, the same thing with the Saganaki cheese. It's like if you think about it, it's pan-fried cheese, but the cheese needs to be right. You know, it needs to be ripened enough. It needs to be cooked in a certain way. There needs to be the right level of lemon juice. There needs to be enough honey, but not too much to, you know, then make it sweet. Then there needs to be enough oregano. I think that really reflects the way we wanted to cook. It was, um, it was also intuition it was also training people to understand their things and not schematic you cook you cook with your heart you cook with the way you uh feel you know like not the, the produce come in and they're more or less the same but they're not always exactly the same you need to be able to adjust the way you're cooking accordingly accordingly your seasoning your cooking time and um that applied to all three of those dishes because, you know, a piece of lamb can be bigger or smaller. It can be faria or linear. And, and, and the same thing goes for the tarama salata. You know, it's something that is like it's fish eggs and, you know, different seasons will give you different flavors and different colors. And um, I think you got to find the balance yourself. And that was um, one of the biggest challenges at the Apollo. You know, there's, there's recipes there and that is your baseline, but you need to be able to use your chefing skills to look at a produce and understand that today it's different from yesterday and tomorrow is going to be different from today. The Swillhouse Group has um, delivered some incredible restaurants over the last decade in Sydney, and you're joining them for a new project that will open later this year. How, how did that um, come about for you? Um, it was a little bit um, unexpected, I have to say. I was um, getting myself ready to leave uh, Copenhagen when uh, they approached me. Um, I uh, have known the group uh, for a long time, I've dined and eaten uh, all the venues and restaurants uh, a bunch of times for a bunch of years now. And I think um, I really like what they do. Um, I think when um, we first started talking, I um, I didn't have a set plan in place. For me, the next thing was get onto this Copenhagen train and um, see what I could gain out of that and then come back with some fresh ideas. But everything we uh, talked about in our original meeting uh, made the project sound really appealing. Um, I had, fun enough, already seen that venue a month and a half before I left Australia because it was offered to me by someone else originally already. Uh, that, that fell through and then they took it on board and um, approached me with the idea and kind of what the project was going to be like and Everything they mentioned, everything um, we spoke about felt really good and felt like we were exactly on the same page. The timing was perfect. The kind of food they want to do, it's what I know. And it's also exactly what I was at the time geographically, you know, um, 
and for me already knowing the site, what it looks like, what it needs, um, it was um, definitely a, a big way in um, then eventually coming on board and taking that decision. Um, yeah. I know it's still a fair way off until it does open, but do you, do you have plans on or ideas of what you're going to be cooking? Yeah, look, I've uh, been obsessing about this menu a little bit, I have to say, and uh, I just kind of like I'm in bed at night and I just have these ideas in my head. i got to get up and put them down because otherwise I go to sleep and forget. And um, so I've had a, a, a starting menu, which um, we've changed a few times. I... Uh, um, went in last week and had a meeting with all the guys and um, it looks like we're pretty close to finalizing the menu. We are going to be cooking European food. Um, there's going to be a big section of the menu that's going to be dedicated to open fire cooking. Um, it's something that I've discovered, you know, in the last few years and uh, that I love doing. Um, I think cooking over fire, uh, whether it's charcoal, wood, a mix of both, it really um, changes food uh, from, you know, the way we know traditionally, I think it adds a level of flavor and interest that it's um, so different from uh, cooking it in any other way. Um, I think it's just um, amazing what it does. So we're definitely going to, have um, a big focus on that that's going to be obviously um, across proteins and vegetables um, and we're also going to um, have a big part of the menu that is going to be um, you know probably the first part of the menu that is, con- is going to concentrate on smaller dishes um, that's going to um, be f- you know influenced from all over Europe the idea is that we can build a menu that would focus more on central North Europe in the colder months and then central South for the warmer months. So it's great because, you know, now we have this flexibility of tacking in to all the different cultures and cuisines, you know, France, Spain, Italy, Portugal, Scandinavia, England. Um, it's a, it's a big variety to play with and um, it's going to be great. We, I think we've put down some really interesting ideas. Uh, we don't want anything to be overcomplicated, but we want it to be a beautiful, refined experience. Um, I won't say too much, but um, the venue is going to look amazing and, you know, it's um, it's 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 only early days, but uh, I'm confident. Like these guys have um, um, put up some pretty amazing venues in the past, and all the ideas and um, totes that are going into these are making it sound like it's going to be an incredible venue. You've had some amazing experiences in your career so far, and involved in something really quite exciting with a dynamic group. Now, um, what what is it that you love about what you do? <sighs> it's um. I guess like it's a little bit uh, cooking is my life and it's um, it has been a bit of a gamble at times, especially, you know, we were talking about how hard that can be in your early career to grow that passion. Um, and I, I'm really aware of that. And, you know, whenever I work with young chefs, 
I really try and uh, get them to understand that there is uh, definitely um, years and times throughout the first part of your career where you might even be in doubt of what you're doing. You might even reconsider your career, your job, because it is a time really wearing and it's, um, you know, it's hard um, on your body, on your mind. But I always tell them just, you know, just why just hang on in there because the reward will come, the passion will grow. And I love that that came to me quite early in the years. And I love that uh, throughout my jobs, I was able to travel the world, move to a place like Australia, meet some incredible people. Um, I love the uh, different personalities in the industry. Um, I love how dynamic this industry is, how flexible it is. You know, I can pack shop tomorrow and go to, to the other side of the world and I will find a job. I will meet amazing people. And um, I think, you know, for me, it's um, all this flexibility, all the, um, the part where you're able to travel and make these connections with other people and come in contact with other cultures. Um, I love traveling to, you know, places like um, Asia or Southeast Asia and uh, Central Americas and, you know, places where you can um, – where the food is so diverse and the, the culture is so different. I think it's been a big um, learning experience for me. You know, I think it teaches you a, a great level of people, people skills and that reflects a lot in your job. That teaches you how to deal with the f different personalities and train in um, different personalities and cultures. Um, I think like even when we opened the Polo Tokyo, um, one of the biggest challenges was, um, you know, the cultural clash a little bit. The Apollo, it's a loud, busy restaurant. Japan doesn't necessarily scream that, especially during the day. So adapting and adjusting and uh, understanding um, how that culture moves and things, um, it was hard, but it was really re rewarding because it taught me a lot. And it really taught me that different people, you know, need different attentions, a different level of training, a different way of being spoken to. So it, it hasn't just been cooking. It's been, you know, a 360 experience. Well, it's um, been amazing hearing just a part of your story and good luck with the new project. It sounds like it's going to be pretty special for that area in Sydney. Um, Please keep in touch and uh, we'll catch up again soon. Thank you so much and thanks for having me. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.